Hello, and welcome to Gabbin with Gut, episode two. I'm Gut. And I'm RSI. And we're here a day ahead of Metcon 2016. What do you think is going to happen at Metcon 2016? Uh, I personally don't know. I'm at, I am looking forward to the supposed uh, big announcement that they have in store. Now, I've heard a few different things on what that announcement might be. What is your guess? Um... I'm not entirely sure. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be something about moving to a new engine. Um, but I'm hoping it'll be something regarding Solaris. I think both of those options would uh, definitely improve the game. I would be happy for both of those. Yeah, same here. Now, are you gonna watch any of it the night of? I might. I think um, I've got to help um, do a performance show on the stage. I'm working backstage for that. So. Oh, you got real life stuff. Yeah, unfortunately. That's cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna be definitely watching. Actually, it's a Saturday night. It's Saturday night, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Saturday. That's right. And um, I'm um, I'm definitely gonna be watching the finals. I'm definitely gonna be watching the finals just because you know that's what we work for for so long. Oh yeah. All right. Well, before we begin, what do you think regarding the interview or ahead of the interview? Uh, the content that people outside of PGI have brought to MechWarrior Online. I think it's been overall fantastic. Like we have uh, all the all the contributions from bandits who created, you know, pretty much the entire or at least edited parts of the system. There's been other community members that have created uh, stuff for competitive play, but just the overview or the overlays that they use for their streams, the uh, ability to tie into the um, MRBC website, like everything that they've done on that side of things has been uh, fantastic, and we've been seeing the. The improvements to competitive play, more teams joining in. Um, so there's been a lot of stuff that have been improving on the community side. I'd personally want to really see community map making become a thing, and maybe uh, community yeah, that lobbies. would be that would be awesome. Map making, I would be super excited for that. Yeah, that was one thing that I really enjoyed about Living Legends was there was a lot of community maps that came out, and even back in MechWarrior 3 and MechWarrior 4, just the amount of long-term sustainability when you allow the community to start creating stuff for the game. Just you know, it can. I mean, how long, or how long was MechWarrior 4 around? Like, uh, 10 years? A long time, yes. But yeah, I'd say, like, most of the uh, community stuff has been pretty good. What, have you ever read any of the stories people have written on the forums and shared with people? Uh, are you talking about fan fiction? Fan I generally fiction, try to, yes. I generally try to stay away from those. <laughs> uh, well, I'm excited for the new stuff that's going into the new game, as far as the fiction goes. That's going to be pretty cool. You talking about the uh, the new Battletech game, like the yeah, the new Battletech game. They're they're yeah. actually writing stories and actual campaigns and stuff for it. It's kind of cool. Hmm. I may have to check that out. No, well, have never you even a tabletop person? Also, have you um have you seen uh like are you are you a fan of like the beefs videos or any of the the content creators uh, as far as the YouTube videos goes? Yeah, I'm both a big fan of the beef and Fantastic Tuesday mainly. Awesome. There's a lot of people that make all these kind of videos, and, and, and I'm super excited about them. Oh, I also enjoy Mech the Dane's videos. I think uh, I love watching his Div C reports and his overall commitment to the Ison team. Well, that's right. Uh, actually, the 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 uh, video from this last week is uh, there was a whole thread on Out Outreach HPG I'd like to discuss for a moment. Um, he kind of summarized the history of the development of MechWarrior Online. And uh, even though we kind of mentioned it in the upcoming interview a little bit about Spaghetti Code, I know you have a few thoughts on the subject of the MechWarrior Online's development. Yeah, a few thoughts. So for me, I've always enjoyed MechWarrior for the immersion and retro-futuristic feel of the Battletech universe. Uh, one of the reasons I got involved with competitive play was to use modern terminology. I self-identify as a clanner, so I saw <laughs> that their 
warrior-esque spirit was in tune with wanting to prove that I'm the best. Right. Um, but for me, I just don't understand why there's such a big push towards esports when we have nothing to compete for. Uh, key word there is uh, when there's nothing to perform, right? I, I personally want some esports. Yeah, same here. And, you know, there was the initial tournament that they did a couple years ago, which was like the Invitational. And then there's, of course, the World Championships, which are still going on. But that's really just one single official tournament over, what, four years? Right, four years. I mean, the leaderboards don't work because apparently creating a qualifier such as 50 minimum games played is too hard. Faction Warfare is a joke and puts way too much power into the hands of these 500-plus player, 500 plus player super units that reap pretty much all the rewards that are present. You know, I really wish they'd take some of Jaeger's advice about that he suggested it going down to two factions instead of, what, like 10 or 12 factions and the time lock feature so everybody's playing at the same time and definitely making some improvements that stop all the Zerg to teams that could actually hold off a Zerg if they were good enough. And there's only a few of them, but it would be nice to have that benefit. Yeah, it could definitely be something that would uh, potentially work. I know there's been a lot of suggestions to just make it IS versus Clan. Um Personally, I think there's just not the player base to support all the, the units that they have in the Faction Warfare map, so I think right. that would probably be one of the best suggestions to actually get people to play it, but fundamentally the maps are, they're just, it's choke point warfare, and choke the maps have warfare. to be improved themselves in order to improve Faction Warfare, but I guess what I'm saying is there's no in-game whatsoever. There's nothing to strive for, there's nothing to compete for, except for community-managed leagues, which would be fine, except there's no API support. It bugs me to no end that PGI is so adamant about doing esports, yet they continuously fail to provide the simplest features to make esports work for them. I mean, if you're going to be a developer that wants to do esports and you don't provide the tools for the community to accomplish that, then it falls on you to do it. It's simply illogical to want something not do what it takes to make that happen, and simultaneously block the majority of community efforts to make it happen. Well, absolutely. There's a ton that can be improved development-wise in the game, I think. And I think one of its saving graces, though, is that the shooty-shooty part of the game actually is fun. Yeah, I definitely agree there. And, I mean, I there's something about it. I I do love the game mechanics when I'm in there playing. Uh, the shooting part of the game is great, and that's in addition to the art department, which has overall been fantastic. I love the way the mechs look. Um, I oh, yeah. love their takes on older designs and kind of newer designs. Yeah, there's some of them that maybe could have been improved, but overall, they're they you know the mechs look beautiful in this game. But I'm just I'm nearing that point where that can no longer sustain me. It's the last thing that keeps me going with the game is just you know I love the looks of the mechs. I love the gameplay mechanics, but that's carried me over for almost four years now, and it's I mean I've already I don't even think I've played this week. It's just it's becoming very old, very trite. Well, hopefully we'll get some new life into here. but uh, And we'll also talk about that kind of thing, that development, in the interview in a little bit. And speaking of interviews, unfortunately, RSI, you weren't able to be in on this interview. Unfortunately. I guess you could say there was something called real life. No, there's not. There's only Max. You know that. Maybe. Uh, but we're glad to present an interview today with Fantastic Tuesday, a video creator and quote-unquote musician. You'll see. <laughs> and maybe we'll splice you in in a few places, okay? Sounds good. Please welcome our second guest, Fantastic Tuesday. 
Hello, Fantastic Tuesday. Do you have any shout-outs before your interrogation today? Hello. Um, yeah, I'll probably give a shout-out to uh, Ninja Moose, uh, shitposter extraordinaire. Uh, how about a shout-out to Monica and Shavaxi? Um, oh, and Juju. Juju Shinobi, you got to give that shout-out to him. Juju, he's always fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, how do you know these guys? Um... Because I, I, I don't know. I don't. I actually cannot recall half the time how I meet people. It's just, <laughs> it's just they just sort of grow on me, and I grow on them. It's it's a symbiotic relationship. Um, uh, what, what I meant by that is you're not in a team or anything. You're not shouting out for the team. No, no, not really. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, my unit tags will say Beer Warriors, and I suppose I'm a member of Beer Warriors. But really, it's just that I was friends with Shivaxi and uh, Monarch, who are both uh, Beer Warriors, and. They they didn't even invite me to the unit. They just conscripted me. They just dragged me in. But um, they they logged I, onto your account and made you join. Pretty much that there was leverage involved, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've been a member of um, teams before, not not competitively. I was part of uh, Black Star Alliance, which then merged into uh, Merc Star. You know, I'm I'm a social animal, but because I have such a weird schedule, I've always sort of drifted away from actual organized team participation. I just sort of do my own thing, really. On that note, I'm going to ask you the first question of your interrogation. Number one, and you've kind of answered this a little bit already, how long have you been playing MechWarrior Online, and have you taken any breaks? So, I started playing before uh, Clans. Before um, the Clan beta test, and the only real reason I remember that is because the first video I produced, uh, or the first one it uh, was seen by anybody. Uh, the Urban Mech Spider was when the beta test for the clans uh, came out. Um, since then, I've taken breaks pretty often, really. Um, the thing is, for a long time, what's been motivating me to play the game is producing content, producing videos, or streaming. So whenever I've I had a creative block, which has not really felt interested in that, then I've drifted away from the game in turn. But I keep coming back. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a fun game to play. I mean, I, I actually don't play too much of anything else, but I keep coming back to this mainly because of my team, personally. Um, the people are definitely why I'm into it. Yeah, yeah, and, and as we were talking about before, community, the game's community is the thing that draws me most to MechWarrior Online. Um, it really is one of the nicer communities on the internet. Um, what are you talking about? We have League of Legends to contend with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> League of Legends, uh, they're so polite. Um, everybody is very courteous and calm, offers reasoned criticism. Uh, no, this is it. Even um, even if you're being a complete potato in, in MechWarrior Online and dragging your team down, if you accept advice from somebody or you ask for help, then people will will climb over each other to offer you advice. You know, there's very little genuine nastiness or elitism in the community, I find. Um, but that that community is, is the glue that has bound this game together for so long, for far longer than the game really should have lasted. Its natural lifespan has been enhanced by the people who've been playing it. Right, so the the more connected each part of the community is, the longer lasting it's going to be for the game itself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I I really do think uh, MechWarrior Online is is a is a really pleasant anomaly in the gaming scene. 
Um, I mean, I can't really think of any other examples, but hey, if somebody has an example of another game that's got a similar kind of story, then uh, answers on a postcard. I'd love to hear about it. But yeah, Mechra Online is that corner of the internet that I do quite like inhabiting. It's right next to Counter-Strike as well, right? (laughs) Uh, God, I remember when um, playing Counter-Strike Source um, on servers that tracked your stats. Um, I was getting, um, you know, after like 50 matches on the server, I'd have a kill-to-death ratio, which was just above one. And and that was when I knew that I had been playing too much Counter-Strike. When I was (laughs) mediocre. That's right. When you finally get up to that level with that that many thousands and thousands and thousands of people, you're like, yep. oh man, I just spent eight hours. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. That's, that's when you need to pat yourself on the back and walk away, or or knuckle down and get good. Well, what was your favorite weapon in Counter Strike? Oh, uh, that's a question I wasn't expecting to have. I quite like that. Um. Oh. Um. I'd say the uh, the M4. Obviously, was always a good go-to, but I I had a soft spot for the the Scout Sniper. The AWP? No, not the AWP. The the lighter sniper rifle. Still bolt action. It's a cheaper one that kills in two buddy shots. Um, I did like that one. I also like to pair that with the um, uh, the SIG. SIG P228, I think it was, the pistol. It wasn't a particularly good pistol, but I quite liked it. I liked the sound. And uh, that's actually one thing that they've done pretty decently in uh, in Mac Warrior is some of the sound stuff is mm. really good. Yeah. Some of it's a little cheesy. Some of the warhorns I think are cheesy, but a lot of the sounds are actually excellent. Oh, I, I like the cheesy warhorns. <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite? Um, what's your favorite warhorn? Oh, right now the warhorn meta is definitely focused around uh, the jack o' lantern. That's that's a very <laughs> strong play at the moment. That, that's um, the one that that laughs at you, right? Yeah, the I like that. I like putting that on basically every single build I run because almost exclusively now the builds I run are either sickeningly meta and unfair, like you know the Kodiak PPC Gorse or the Splat Dog. Um, or you're running the Splat Dog. Fun. We're gonna get to of that course, in a minute, but of course I run the Splat Dog anyway. <laughs> um, I, I am I am a true adherent to Juju Shinobi Splat Dog gospel. Nice. Well, we're gonna get into the second question now what mm-hmm. is your favorite food or beverage um food is is a very difficult one to answer because i i pretty much eat anything um you're not you're not vegan no 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 i am i'm a carnivore i mean i cut i, I try to eat as little not as little meat as possible i like to cut down on meat because uh, it's kind of expensive sometimes, and because you don't, you know, your, your body doesn't need a huge amount of meat to survive, and, you know, not to sound like some kind of hippie or something, you know, I am a, I'm a confirmed carnivore, <laughs> but, you know, I, it, I think it's responsible to eat as few animals as possible. Sure, but, you can conserve um, as much as you need to. Exactly. Um, instant ramen is, is, uh, is the ambrosia of the gods. It is wonderful. <laughs> I love that stuff. Um, I got very good at enhancing packets of instant ramen with various other spices. I actually heard that they just opened in New York City and, and here in America a new ramen shop that um, is like taking over New York City. It's pretty cool. It's pretty popular. So it just sells instant ramen? Yeah. Well, I'm not That's, sure if it's instant, wow. but it's just like a, a ramen noodle type place. Okay. And, 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 and I, I, you know, you see Chinese food everywhere. You see, like, uh, all kinds of um, Asian cuisine around here. I live in Texas. Um, but I, I, I just don't th- see it blow up, you know, just like just yeah. ramen in a spice, you know? Yeah. 
man, I kind of I, I'm I'm not gonna book flights to New York just yet, but I'm I'm keeping that on my radar. That's for sure. Oh, speaking um, of booking flights, though, are you going? This is on a sidetrack from this question. Yeah, sure. Are you going to the uh, the Metcon? No, uh, no, I'm not. I I don't. Well, for a start, I don't really have the money to do it. Um, but I have some some plants in the crowd. Um, a couple of noble followers of mine will be wearing T-shirts in uh, in support and in memoriam of the tragic blocking of myself by Russ on Twitter. <laughs> um, oh, I actually remember that happening. Oh, yeah. t- tell me about that real quick. Oh, okay. Can, can, can we come back to that? Because we're still on question two, and sure, I haven't sure. said about beverages yet. <laughs> sure. Then we will switch over to that. Go ahead. Um, beverages, I'm a whiskey... I'm going to keep quick on this. I'm a whiskey man. I love whiskey. Um, I also like port and red wine. A little bit strange, but there you go. I feel like that's that's a man's wine, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, I've actually got a glass right here in order to calm my nerves, because I know that everything I say here can and will be used against me in a court of law. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, anyway, beverage, done, yeah. Excellent. Let's get back, right back to, uh, um, Russ Bandu yep. from Twitter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but he blocked me from Twitter, there is a technicality, he, he does not work for Twitter, there is no international conspiracy going on here. Um, yeah, so, um, I put up a video talking about the PTS, this was just after I think the last update they made to the PTS when, as I put it, it was clear they had no idea what they were doing anymore. Like, they didn't know what they wanted to do with the PTS and Energy Draw, and I, I talked about that for a bit. I'm not going to repeat myself here. Sure. But I, I, I made the video... I always try to make my, my videos addressed to PGI or about PGI as as diplomatic as, as I find reasonable. You know, I'm not in the business of just being horrible, if I can help it. Right. Um, and, you know, apart from the phrase that was in the first minute, sort of as an attention grabber for people who weren't necessarily at that point invested in watching the rest of the video, you know, I said, uh, it's clear that the developers don't know what they're doing anymore with regards to energy draw on the PTS. Um, and I Ouch. didn't expect. And, Ouch. Yeah, I know. Ow. <laughs> Ow. Talk about rubbing salt in the wounds. Um, yeah, so for some reason. Uh, Russ got to that point. We don't even know if he got to that point in the video, but he certainly quoted that phrase. Um, and yeah, blocked blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> well, I, I certainly think there's a lot better ways to use the PTS, like get specific um, get specific times for people to load it up and yeah. actually give feedback on mm-hmm. the spot instead of um, instead of just like having a weekend event where you're supposed to be playing in the actual game on top of the PTS, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were they were splitting by playing on the PTS. And I, I said it in the video. You're sort of shooting yourself in the foot. You're not getting any C bill rewards. You're not getting XP rewards. You're not getting anything really, um, which I think is a really bad way of incentivizing it. I, I, I mean, with all this talk of buckets, you know, how we have too many buckets right now. We need fewer buckets. Um, I don't think splitting the player base temporarily between the live server and the PTS server, I don't think that is such a huge problem compared to the benefit of having good testing that it justified PGI deciding to to not provide any incentives and to make the test server 4 versus 4 instead of 12v12. Because the gameplay, the gameplay in 4v4 compared to 12v12 is so different. 
is so different. It's oh, a it's different night and pace. day. It's night and day. It, exactly. You can't make sensible balance decisions based on that data. Well, and that's each and every best. single shot matters so much more in four v four. And we we we've done a competitive yeah. league before, and it's just like insane how much we have to be on top of it and and going around the corner at the same exact time, even more so. Yeah. Um. I mean, that's that's a dimension that I actually hadn't thought about. Me not being a competitive player and only being just above potatoes here. Um, I the concern I had mainly was that in 4v4 there's uh, less risk of being focused down by an outrageous number of mechs. Um, oh yeah, time to kill is definitely lower. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you say, yeah, you have to be on top of your game to prevent snowballing, for instance. But um, generally speaking, I think a 4v4 environment, certainly outside of a competitive scene anyway, a bunch of bunch uh, against a bunch of randos is in a lot of ways, a lot more forgiving, which means you can adopt different play styles or different play styles work differently. That and um, there were no tonnage restrictions, so people were just dropping 4v4 and assaults. So. <laughs> Poor Kodiaks. <laughs> yeah, so it's not, again, just not indicative of the actual gameplay environment. And PGO are basing their decisions on, on the feedback from that environment. And the decisions they were making didn't seem to have any real pattern... Or, or objective behind them. You know, they, they put in energy draw, and then instead of tuning energy draw and how it works around the existing gameplay balance, they started nerfing large pulse lasers. Like, but why? Yeah, I, <laughs> what, I, I didn't understand point? that change either. Um, no, we, we, no. We like, we like, it's not even, even used in competitive play too often, because it's mm. all about ERs and UACs and PPCs and GOSS right now. Um, but it, it was nice to have that if you wanted to support mech off to the side, you could, you could either take a large pulse or a PPC on it, and now it's taken away a large pulse. I don't use large pulses anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean they haven't made those changes in live, have they? Right. Still... Yeah. So I'm just checking because I'm so out of a loop in some Actually, I, I think they might have put... No, um... it's just a jam chance on the UX I think they changed recently. Oh, yeah, no, that's that they have changed. And, and that's an example of... Um... Of now, how I I don't think I really understand what PGI is trying to achieve with the balance. Well, um, and because we were talking about it last week, and I I thought like you know balance was in a pretty good place overall, yeah. and then yeah. there was just a few few standout mechs on on top. That's that's it. As much as I criticize PGI's actions over the last half year or so with balance, they do have a pretty damn well balanced game. I mean, people say. MechWarrior Online is the best balanced MechWarrior title so far, and they're not wrong. They're absolutely not wrong. It is it's very solid. Almost all types of weapons have a place in the game. There's a few outliers, but the main problem is is balance between the mechs, and that's so. You know, obviously the UAC nerf was motivated by the Kodiak Three being so strong, but it doesn't address the Gorse PPC Kodiak Three, which is now the new. Well, even before the nerf was the shining was star really good, of the Kodiak yeah. 3. And it's it's still exactly the same. I mean, they've nerfed the torso twist on the Kodiak 3, which is good. That's that's the kind of thing I think they should have done, not the UAC nerf. Um, but but the thing about the UAC change, which, which rubs me the wrong way, is not that they nerfed the UAC. If they want to do that, I, I can understand that. I can see why. The problem is that by increasing jam time so significantly, they haven't actually nerfed Boating. They've nerfed taking one or two UACs. If you have uh, four UAC 10s on a Kodiak, for instance, not that anybody was really running that anymore, but it just keeps the numbers simple. And That's you've hot, got a jam. Yeah. yeah, but if you've got a jam time of six seconds, I think it is on the UAC 10 now, 
um, if two of your UACs jam, you've still got two UAC 10s. It's still a lot of firepower. But if you're running one UAC 10 on a mech, say on a, a medium or a heavy, and that thing jams, that's the majority of your firepower gone for six right. seconds. Which in a 12v12 match, if you're on the front line, if you're being shot at, and potentially if you're focused down, that's, that's your entire lifespan. <laughs> and, and then you're just sitting there trying to hide the rest of the time exactly. for six seconds, six exactly. whole seconds. So, so the UAC jam uh, time increase makes boating UACs. It, it doesn't affect boating UACs as badly as it affects taking one UAC, which is the kind of gameplay that we want to encourage. We want to encourage taking just one of a major weapon system like that. Um, whereas if they had decreased the jam time significantly, like made it something silly like two seconds. I'm just pulling numbers out of my butt here. Made it two seconds, but the jam chance was 30%, for instance, or maybe even higher than that. Well, I, then... I think that they could have done something where they, they they just made it a little bit higher for that particular mech, just like a quirk. Yeah, yeah, all that. Um, but all of this, all of this problem uh, with the Kodiak 3 that we're having it all goes back, uh, not the um, the Gorse PPC um, thing, that, that wouldn't be affected by, by this, but the problem with uh, the 4 UAC-10 or 2 UAC-5, 2 UAC-10 uh, Kodiak 3 is that they never needed to put that in the game in the first place. The Kodiak on its stock build and tabletop, Kodiak 3, has two ballistic weapons. PGI actually looked at that and went, hey, let's bloat it to four ballistic hardpoints, even though this is a 100-ton clan battle mech. And anybody who understands anything about MechWarrior Online is predicting this as being one of, if not the best game in the uh, mech in the game. Oh yeah. When it drops, and they decided to bloat the hard points on what was clearly going to be the best variant by a long shot. You know, it's interesting that we can, as a as a community, we can figure out what's going to be good or bad before mm. it even comes out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I mean. We still we still get it wrong a lot. I mean, the linebacker. I was when I looked at the the original release of the linebacker, the specifications. I went, ah, uh, that's it's just going to be a heavy stormcrow, you know. But a lot of people are having a lot of fun with it. You know, it it definitely seems to have a very good place in the game. And I was I was honestly surprised. But you're right. We can we can make predictions and. But I, th I think uh, something like the Kodiak was such an outlier. So, uh, it was so obviously going to be amazing, no matter what. <laughs> you know? Yes. And the thing that amazed me is the Kodiak 1, which is objectively one of the least decent variants of the Kodiak. Right. Um, now it has exactly the same lack of quirks as the Kodiak 3. And I remember when PGI were justifying their original set of quirks for when the Kodiak released, they said, we're going to play it safe with the Kodiak 1 because it's an energy monster. And I'm like, yeah, but, <laughs> it, but it has like 11 energy hard points. Past 6 on a clan mech, you, there's not really much you can do with that. Right. Ghost Heat kicks in, and even without Ghost Heat, uh, you have way too many lasers <laughs> for not enough heat capacity. It's just, not, it's just not tenable. And all of the energy hard points are waste-mounted. You know, anybody could have looked at the Kodiak 1 and gone, eh, it's going to be alright. You know, it's not going to be a bad mech, but for the PGI to think that it was going to be the best Kodiak, just it just shows me how little they understand their own game. Well, I mean, at, a, at the time, people were voting, um, voting lasers more than other things as comparative, sure, yeah. though. 
So, I mean, I can kind of see, but still, they, it, depending on how or low, how high or low the amounts are, affects it. And how many mm. of those on the Kodiak one are super high um, in, uh, lasers, energy, uh, smarts? Um, I, I think none of them. I think one of them is CT and the others are on the arms. And, and that kills it, right? Yeah, absolutely. That kills it. And but I mean I don't I don't blame PGI for for thinking hey the Kodiak one might be really good let's not give it any special quirks that's okay fine you know it, play it safe but the fact that they still seem to think that it's the best Kodiak when all all of the data all of the anecdotal feedback says it's not I I just don't understand like it's a classic question of does PGI play their own game people ask it all the time and it clearly it, it increasingly looks like the answer is no. Yeah, I I I kind of get where you're going on that, but I'm gonna yeah. go on to the next question if that's I, okay I think with you. We should. I think we should. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speaking of balance in old Mech Warrior games, question three: mm. What is your Mech Warrior and BattleTech history? So, um, I'm definitely not a greybeard when it comes to this. Um, as a kid, I played Mech Warrior Four. Um, I remember having a lot of fun with that game. I think I used to try and play it with a joystick to aim. I have a very distinct memory of of um, Sidewinder. Um, what kind of no. joystick did you use? Oh, I'm trying to remember now. Oh god, I can't remember what brand it was. It oh, was that's quite okay. A, it was quite cheap. It was blue. Um, it it did the job, but it wasn't a great joystick. Um, but I have a very distinct memory of before I was old enough to really understand how to play the campaign mode of just loading up instant action and getting in a raven and having an AI raven fight mm -hmm. against me. And I, I remember standing there, like my mech standing still for about five minutes, trying to hit this raven that's circle strafing me at about 80 kph <laughs> with a joystick. And I'm like nine at the time or something, so I'm missing constantly. And the AI is on easy, so it's missing me constantly. And it just, it kept me busy for a long time. I, I, was, I was an interesting child, I think is probably a good way of it. Um, I remember buying a Mech Warrior 2 CD at the supermarket. Do you remember those um, uh, game CDs? It was like a, a re-release um, of, of a game that was about five or six that, years that old. That just came in the jewel case, right? Yeah, 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 yeah one yeah. of those. Where they've got like uh, some purple shit on it or something, a purple frame around the actual game title. God, I love those. Um, <laughs> so for some reason I bought MechWarrior 2 and then tried to get that to run and I couldn't figure it out because my PC was uh, an XP or something and I had difficulties, but... Um, I mean, Mech Warrior Three. I only played about seven or eight months ago for the first time. But did you do a playthrough of that one all the way through? No, uh, no, I actually haven't finished it yet. I think it was Shivaxi did the. It might be the person you're thinking about. He's oh, got okay. a very good playthrough of Mech Warrior Three. I definitely recommend people watch that. Um, but Mech Commander and Mech Commander Two, absolutely loved the hell out of those games. I have a lot of good memories of those two. Are you super um, super excited for the new one? Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't put down any money for the um, the Kickstarter because I've been burned before. Um, yeah. But then when that first gameplay video comes out and and it's still like oh it's super super early alpha and it's working it's looking yeah it good. looks awesome I, and I, I I put money down on it myself exactly when I saw that video I put money down um, the the thing that completely sold it to me was. Uh, when the two guys in the foreground on Hairbrand Studios' video about that are, are talking about, oh, this is a Marauder, yeah, this is a Commando. And the, I can't remember his name, the guy with the beard, the really cool dude with the, the graying hair. He's like, blah, 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 I want to hear about the Atlas. I'm like, yep, 
these developers <laughs> these developers are exactly the kind of people I want to be handling a BattleTech game. They're, they're really working with some good people that. too. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're working I'm... with uh, the the actual authors and getting some story in there, and it should be a lot of fun. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, um, and and they're working with PGI's art department, which makes me very happy because one thing that's been consistently good about MechWare Online is is how the mechs look. Oh yeah, they're absolutely drop dead gorgeous. Um, and all the interpretations are, you know, it fits, it works. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, they still they still look like chunky robots that would. They still look like they would fit in some kind of '80s themed thing, but they don't look like they were drawn in the '80s. They don't have that generally low quality. You know, like if you go on Sana to look for a mech, and there's these really Really, really boxy looking things. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like I can't do better, but uh, but yeah, I haven't I haven't read any of the books, for instance. Um, You haven't. I I haven't. I haven't. I've I've read a lot of Sana. I've I've written. I've read a lot of um, stuff on uh, the BattleTech wiki. I understand a fair bit about the lore, Uh, but no, I I haven't haven't read a book. If I was going to recommend some Please of the do. books to you, I mm-hmm. would recommend the two trilogies. As much as people don't like the big explosions from Stackpole, you can get a lot of the lore in just his two trilogies. The Warrior okay, so, Trilogy and the Clan so what Trilogy. Do I, what do I type into Amazon? I've got, I've got it open right now. Uh, look for, for Warrior Trilogy from Stackpole. Okay. And yep. it's not Twilight of the Clans. What is the other one called? I'm looking it up. Uh, Blood of Ker- Kerinsky. Blood of Karen Sky, Karinsky trilogy. Yep, okay. And th- those two trilogies are where I would say start, because I think that's close to where I started. I might have had one or two before that, though. Okie dokie. So, chronologically, which one's first? Uh, do, do the Warrior trilogy first. Right, I, I will do that. I actually, I think I actually will. It will take me a while to get around to it, but that's on my list now. Awesome. Well, with that, you'll have a lot more Battletech history under your under your noggin. Mm-hmm. My my beard will will begin to grow ever more gray. <laughs> All right, number four. How is that favorite sports team there in England? So um, I've never really been a sports person um, because I was the kind of kid in school who was not good at sports. So I just sort of grew away from ever associating with it. Um, at university, I was living with a Chelsea fan and an Arsenal fan, so um, watching football with them would often get quite interesting even if it wasn't actually those two teams playing each other there and then they'd, they'd still be giving each other sideways glances and scowls because oh if this team loses this match then it means that this team's going to be up against Chelsea and you know it, it, it's they, they had the long play in mind so that was quite interesting to watch and I, I learned a, quite a lot more about football um I think it's an all right game you know um I, yeah, I, I I actually really like watching soccer, and, and one of the main reasons is um, oh I've called it soccer of course because I'm in America, but uh, mm-hmm. um, non-American football <laughs> is uh, is they, they run almost the entire time, yeah. and there's like so many miles that they run, and they're they're exhausted, and they only get like three substitutions or something for ninety yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah, so it's, I think it's, it's very physical, definitely. And uh, I do not like all the flops and stuff, though. No, no, uh, <laughs> I mean. Uh, I have one distinct memory of uh, a player for, I think it was Swansea, we were watching one game. Um, he wasn't Welsh, because never are, but um, he he took a hit during a match, and he just carried on, you know, where most other players would have dived. He 
and not like if a player had fallen to the ground and waved their arms around demanding attention, I wouldn't have blamed them because this guy took a really solid hit. But he just soldiered on, and then he took oh. another one, and he soldiered on, and then he started bleeding profusely from his face, and he carried on, and then he got sent off by the referee because he needed he was to go bleeding. Get... Yeah, because no, no, because uh, the, the referee seemed pissed at him for having blood on his shirt. Oh. Like that seemed to be the reason, the technicality that he sent him off on, not not for his own safety. The referee actually looked annoyed at him for carrying on. It was it was weird, you know. There is not a culture in in football, soccer, as you put it, of 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 taking it really. And I understand why, to some respect, because you know one injury can cost a player a hell of a lot of money. But that's kind of sad, you know. That's that's not what the game should be about. Right. But also, I think. A lot of the things, this is just my personal take on it, somebody who knows more about football is probably going to go, Tuesday, shut the fuck up. No idea what you're talking about. But um, my, my personal theory is that it doesn't benefit the game um, as, as a professional body to implement the technologies and the rules that would cut back on diving. Because I think even though a football fans don't think they want to see diving, they actually kind of do. Like, yeah. one of the most interesting moments in games is when people are going, oh, God, what a diver, and having a go at him. Right. Or arguing about whether or not it was a dive. For some reason, like, the meta game in football has evolved into diving. and Into whether, into whether they're going for their body or whether they're going for the ball, right? Sure, sure. And it, it seems inextricably linked to the game, so I, it's not going anywhere. Uh, speaking of uh, things that are are huge in England. Isn't there a bunch of uh, hooliganism in uh, in football in England? So, not really. And again, I'm not, you know, hugely versed in, in soccer, but there has always been this stereotype, true, at various points, that English players were just going abroad to beat up foreigners. Yeah, yeah, they were. And um, uh, the government, the police, and you know, various other relevant bodies... Um, I can't. I don't. Wouldn't be able to give you a time frame, but quite a long time ago, tackled that by issuing. Uh, <laughs> tackled that ta- uh, <laughs> by um, issuing um, match bans to troublemakers and uh, travel bans, preventing them from even leaving the country whenever there was a foreign game happening, um, and quite often life bans. And it really does seem to have killed the problem, which is good. Um, there was um, some violence at a game a couple of weeks ago, and it really wasn't that. It wasn't that violent, you know. It was it, people were really shocked, and rightly so, that this violence was happening. But it's it's so rare now that even something as minor as pound coins being thrown onto the pitch is is treated as a, a headline topic. So I think oh, that's that's really good to see. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of evolved in a way that is uh, probably better for everybody around. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. All right. Are you ready for question five? I'm always ready. Excellent. This is a fun one. What is your favorite mech to play and why? So, chassis-wise, if we're talking about actual chassis that I always get enjoyment from, I'd say I've always had a soft spot for Banshees. I I distinctly remember in my first few months of playing the game, uh, my friend Mog Dogalog from uh, Real Life, who kind of got me into the game, he discovered banshees and um he kept telling me oh tuesday you have to try this out you have to try this out and i was like eh, no I'm, i don't know if i'm really that's that's kind of my thing and then i tried them out and oh my god the banshee 3e is a beast i used to love uh 
putting two UAX fives on the shoulder, using machine guns to shim them up, and uh, two ER large lasers. Really not a meta build, but I just right. love the fact that I had a 95-ton mech that could ridge peak. Right. Like what? Well, the thing for the I know, that's rare. The the thing that gets me about the banshees is if you come up against two of them, it's almost like you're facing half the team just in firepower or straight at oh, you. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, they're absolutely evil if you leave them alone and don't focus them down. And they're pretty tanky, even without uh, significant quirks. Um, my first hero mech I bought was the um, Lama Lynche, which was a, a bad idea, really. <laughs> uh, I, this, this is when I was really a potato. I used to run it at a very non-meta build with an LRM-20, an AC-10, and large pulse lasers. I still I still go out in it sometimes, just for giggles. Um, with an XL380, it's it's a real bracket build, but I think the Banshee <laughs> is one of the few mechs in the game that actually can pull off a bracket build with any level of success. Um, it, it's it's quite a fun mech. Um, I wouldn't recommend you buy the Lamalinche though, definitely not. But in terms of individual variants, different builds I like to play, uh, the Splat Dog is the one and true gospel that Splat, shall always Splat be dog. followed. The Splat Dog <laughs> is absolutely beautiful. Um, I love playing Splat Griffins. Um, I used to love playing... That's the other, one, other chassis I used to like, Shadow Hawks. I remember when Quirks came out, and I got, I got really upset, really emotionally distraught, but the Shadow Hawks were not getting any decent Not getting the love, yeah. No, and they, they still really don't have the love. They're, they're a very... With the exception of a couple of um, fringe cases, they generally, even now, are pretty marginal. They're using um, MRBC a little bit just to fill in a medium spot since you can't really double except for one mech. They're they're using yeah. that sometimes, but um, it's mostly you know Griffins and then for splat and close range stuff in the medium it, bracket. It, yeah, yeah, it, exactly. You know they they don't really have anything anymore that they do particularly well, which is. I, th I think I think you fit up a two D two with an LBX and uh, some serums, and that's that's the main yeah. Shadow Shadowhawk build. Yeah, I was reading about that today, and I was, I was, it, it, it warmed my heart slightly to hear that the Shadowhawk was still seeing some use. I remember when it was in its heyday, and we were using oh, yeah. um, jump sniper PPC plus yeah. whatever, uh, whatever ballistic you wanted, and with it Goss or whatever. Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, that that was probably. I think the Shadowhawk was the second mech I mastered. Um, that was after the Locust. For some reason, I thought the Locust would be a great <laughs> first mech. It taught me to appreciate the fragility of life. So, <laughs> there's that. And my kill-to-death ratio is a point oh 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 two. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it was it was not an impressive kill-to-death ratio. That, that is for sure. It was it was not good. <laughs> How many mech base do you have these days? Oh, about 120, I think. Nice, nice. That's that's really good. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. I've I've, I've sunk. Uh, a fair chunk of money into this game, and for that I have to thank uh, really generous people who uh, like my stuff on Twitch and my YouTube channel who've who've donated to me because they've they basically paid for this hobby, and that's that's right. really great. I really appreciate that. Yeah, support this man, everybody. You hear that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not? Absolutely. I I will probably release a decent video again at some point, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll move on from that into uh, what is everybody's favorite topic. <laughs> not really a favorite topic usually, but uh, you did not vote in the American election, but you have some no. thoughts on it? Um, I, if I was eligible to vote, I would have voted for 
giant meteor 2016. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> as far as I was concerned, there were just no options at all. But you you didn't on. like the uh, the third and fourth option either. Um. So Gary Johnson seemed like a nice guy from what I read, but he did not seem presidential. I mean, I might I might have actually voted for one of the the two independent candidates, but they're free actually. But anyway, the two independent candidates anybody cared about. The um, two main ones, yeah. But Jill Stein um, seems to be well-meaning, but was so anti-nuclear to the point of insanity that no. <laughs> right, um, right, I'm right. Not you, gotta, you, page, you, so. you can save the planet, but you use science to do it. Okay. That's that's exactly it. I mean, I don't, I don't want to. I, I don't know if you want to talk about nuclear power, but <laughs> uh, go ahead. You know, but, we have I nuclear mean, reactors in our mechs. Exactly, we have nuclear <laughs> fusion reactors in our mechs. Um, and actually. So I, I studied physics at university, and there was not a single person, not a single one who I spoke to who was doing physics, who didn't think that nuclear power was anything other than brilliant and the future. You know, it can cause absolutely catastrophic problems if it goes wrong, like Chernobyl. Um, and people use the example of Fukushima, but actually Fukushima should have been a ringing endorsement for nuclear power, because... Uh, Japan was affected by the worst tsunami they had had in recorded history, and one of the worst earthquakes. Um, and f I think three other nuclear power stations were as badly, if not worse, affected by the disaster than Fukushima. And they all shut down with absolutely no problems whatsoever, as they were designed to do. Uh, Fukushima was the only one which had difficulties, because it was built in, I think, the 50s, and should have been replaced a long time ago. And would have been replaced a long time ago if there wasn't such strong anti-nuclear sentiment around the world that made it politically impossible to build a new reactor to replace it. And that's, the, that's a really sad irony. And the Fukushima disaster has obviously been... is obviously not something that we want to have, but the amount of devastation caused by the radioactive fallout is, when you actually look at it, is marginal compared to the devastation from the actual tsunami Right. Which caused the problem in the first place. And you look at Chernobyl, where, yeah, thousands of people died or have had shortened lifespans because of it. And that is absolutely awful and is a fantastic example of how you should not build badly designed nuclear reactors in a Soviet country. Um, <laughs> but one flip side is that Fukushima, sorry, Chernobyl is now a nature reserve, bizarrely. You because... mean it's not in the set of uh, Fallout? No, the, the video no, game? It's, it's actually not. Um, the thing is, Chernobyl is currently unlivable for for human standards. You know, we value having a long lifespan, so we don't live there, which is understandable. But animals, generally speaking, get eaten or die of some other disease long before the amount of radiation in Chernobyl causes them any significant problems. So animal populations have rebounded amazingly in Chernobyl in the absence of humans. So I'm right. not advocating for blowing up nuclear power plants to create um, environmental havens, but, <laughs> you know, sometimes there's, there's two sides to coins. Um, I've, I've actually heard that when uh, humans leave an area, so it, it recovers. It recovers yeah. to its natural state pretty quickly yeah. overall. Yeah, absolutely. Nature is, is incredibly resilient, and it will outlast us. I, I hope. I hope <laughs> there is no outlasting needed to be done. Unless but, you voted for the giant meteor. <laughs> I mean, see, the giant meteor, you know, is the giant meteor actually going to impact America? Is it actually going to impact in the ocean? You know, there's too many uncertainties here. I think it's a good idea to just give the meteor a chance. Speaking of uncertainties, you guys had something called Brexit? Is that right? We had something called Brexit, which I 
I, I still have to pinch myself. <laughs> um, you, you didn't vote for it, or did you? I, I did not vote for Brexit. I voted against Brexit. I So, people who voted for Brexit are not racist morons. Well, I mean, some of them are, but that's nothing <laughs> to do with them voting for Brexit. Um, although I would have been surprised if any ra uh, racist people voted to stay in the EU. That would have been a bit strange. Anyway, right. You know, that, that characterization is wrong. The, the problem with Brexit is that they're really... And that, if somebody wants to have a conversation with me about this, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, we can have a nice, pleasant chat. There are so few economic arguments for leaving the European Union. The, the famous one was the, the campaign bus of the Leave campaign going around with £350 million a week sent to the EU that could be spent on the NHS. That was going around the country, and that number was completely and utterly false in every single sense of the word. That was... That's the before rebate contribution that we currently still are paying, but will no longer be paying, obviously, um, to the EU. But it cuts down to something like, oh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but something to something like 185 million pounds a week right. due to the rebate that was negotiated by Margaret Thatcher way back. And um, the number completely ignores the amount of money which comes back to Britain from the EU directly in terms of investment, but also the economic benefit of having having um, an economically stable, prosperous, peaceful neighbour. We have benefited so much from having a stable Europe. I mean, uh, Poland, you know, you can see Polish trucks driving in the UK. Yeah, maybe some of them need uh, need their MOTs, you know, the, the, the lorry, the, the test on the, the, motor, the engine itself. Sorry. The, the emissions? No, no, sorry. Uh, the MOT is a general health check of the vehicle. Oh, okay. Sorry, whether the brakes are Make, working. Make sure the like suspension's that. in order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, a lot of people will, will see a Polish lorry and think, oh, you know, maybe it's not up to spec. Maybe it isn't, but that's the advantage of being in the EU. You can advocate for legislation which will normalise vehicle safety standards across the whole of the EU. But those lorries importing foodstuffs from Poland, and you can buy so many Polish things in supermarkets, and importing British goods to Poland. Those lorries obviously have to drive through Poland. And Poland, when it left the Soviet Union, did not have a single functioning highway, or motorway as we'd call it in Europe. The only stretch of like three lane carriageway which went anywhere in Poland was halfway between the capital and the next city. You know, its infrastructure was dreadful. And it's improved so much now because of investment from the European Union, which is paid for partly by our country and our tax money. And, and that only helps everybody out for them to have a good infrastructure as well. Exactly, exactly. And I can fully understand why somebody just doesn't want to be part of the European experiment. He just doesn't agree with the idea of unified Europe. I understand, and I actually share some of the concerns. Some of the things that Europeans do um, are, are un undemocratic, aren't the most optimal way of doing things, are needlessly bureaucratic and expensive. I absolutely agree, but we, Britain has long had a tradition of complaining about those things and not using any of its political capital to try and fix those things. Um, so I feel like leaving the European Union was just stepping away from a challenge, really. Now, now um, what's, what's the state of it now? Are, are, have we, I've heard we've gone back on it a lot in, in, over there. Yeah, so the vote was 48 to 52%, and a lot of uh, polls now are showing that if the vote was to be done again, it would be a clear win for stay. Um, well, I say clear, still a few percent. But, and, and there's a lot of talk about how now the vote, 
it probably has to go through Parliament. Parliament will have to actually decide on whether to go ahead with it or not. And if given the decision, they may well still go, we're going to go ahead with it anyway because we don't want people to be angry that we went against them. So there's all those back and forth arguments. But at the end of the day, there's the inescapable fact that a significant chunk of the that the adult voting population of Britain don't want to be part of the EU, don't, don't want that challenge, don't want that interconnectivity and think that Britain will be much better on its own. And, and I understand. And I've got, um, um, I, I have a friend who was on the course with me, a very intelligent guy who was one of the few people, very few university students voted to leave, but he was one of the few people I know who voted leave. And I spoke to him about it afterwards. And it was a nice chat. And what I respected is that he didn't think that there were any economic arguments to the case to leave. He, he agreed and accepted that we're probably going to be worse off in the short term and we might prob- possibly be better off in the long term, but maybe not. He voted leave because he thinks that that's the right decision for our country on you know political and ethical levels. And fair enough. That's an opinion that people are entitled to have. And there sure. are people who would call him a swivel-eyed racist for it, which makes absolutely no sense, because there's not a racist bone in his body. Yeah, it's, it's, it's too easy to categorize people yeah. as an entire group a certain way and not, not take individuals as individuals. Absolutely. But, but the, the, the final point about Brexit is there's the inescapable fact that the technical majority, very minor majority of people in my country just don't want to be part of the European experiment. And, you know, honestly, that, that makes me pretty sad. Uh, that's fair enough. But I, I, increasingly, I feel like I just don't want to be part of this country if that's how we're going to deal with our relationship with the world, you know? I hear you. I don't understand it all because I'm not English, of course. But <laughs> I, 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 I experienced my own, my, own, uh, my own America, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the... the rel- I'd say it wouldn't be unreasonable to say that the, the closeness between a lot of British people, particularly in my age group, the sense of uh, the scale of similarity they feel with the, our European neighbours is probably similar to how, um, how close you would feel to Canadians. You know, you're not, Canadians aren't Americans and Americans aren't Canadians, but right. you we, see we, eye we to eye on a lot of things. We, we, we agree with them on a lot of things, but they are different people. Kind exactly of. exactly you know you can get along but you're a different flavor um and increasingly we feel that close to um other european countries which is only a good thing you know um there's there's no need for us to all feel like we have huge I, i'm all i'm all for individuality but i'm also yeah. for all working together as best we can as well absolutely and i don't but that's the thing about the European Union. I don't think it's eroded any sense of national character. I, I might feel, I, I feel closer to, as in I feel closer to Europeans than I would have felt growing up two decades ago, but it doesn't necessarily make me feel less British. And, and equally, I think, um, I don't think there's any real homogenizing of, say, French, Dutch and Germans. I think they all feel uniquely themselves. It's just increasingly their opinions are aligning, which is good. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we're going to move on to number seven. Back to MechWarrior. Back to MechWarrior. Number seven. What feature would you most want PGI to add to MWO? Um, A beef warhorn. A beef warhorn. (laughs) Um, Number one feature is another (laughs) thing that they already have. Excellent. 
<laughs> no, no. Um, I mean, that would be good. And at the end of the day, that's an example of the kind oh, of thing. I, I agree. Wouldn't... That should be in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's an example of the kind of thing that I, I think they should slap in. Provided the beef was on board, it wouldn't take them too much. Now, now you could say yeah. for this that that more community content within the game is the future oh, yeah. that you want. Yeah, but I, I was I was actually <laughs> I was actually joking. There is actually a feature that I would most okay. want to see in <laughs> MechWarrior Online. It's so serious. Um, is is single player and AI? Um, I like the idea. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> you don't? I, I, I don't suppose they've happen. been working on it. I, I know they say they've been working on it, but uh, what we've seen so far is... Um, oh, I hope they, they completely surprise me. I absolutely do. But, you know, we've seen uh, in testing grounds now, the AI for mechs they have consists of walking in a straight line and firing in exactly <laughs> the same pattern and accuracy that the turret AI had before. You know, something right. tells me that the... Because there's a lot of talk about how... Um, they're dealing with spaghetti code issues like they don't understand a lot of the code that they actually have because the program is departing it wouldn't surprise me if they just don't feel able to add that feature again i want to be i want to be proven wrong because something as simple as adding in ai tanks that just come towards you and shoot laser beams um adding a a wave defense game mode so you and three other buddies um, have to hold off against an unending horde of tanks. Um, it'd be really and, fun, or mechs. Yeah, yeah, and it would be it would be straight for all mechs, absolutely. But even if they can't, because a mech is a little bit more complex to to get the AI convincing for that. You know, even if it's just tanks and helicopters and stuff, that would be great. And have a a leaderboard of longest time survived. You know, um, just, well, just left for little... dead style. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> left for dead. Um, the the. The last stand, I think it is in game mode. Uh, game mode is called and Left 4 Dead. Exactly that kind of thing. It's provided they can get the AI to work. It's not a huge amount of work to make one or two simple maps that work for that. Um, and it would add so much replayability to the game. The, the problem that the community has been dealing with for so long is it's just there's a lack of things to do. You know, the core gameplay is actually good. It absolutely is. As much as I criticise PGI's uh, balanced decisions relatively recently, the core gameplay is great, it's satisfying, I just want more things to shoot at. And at the moment we just have a choice of 12v12 or 12v12 with respawns that not really many people are playing, and 4v4 that no one is playing at all. Uh, I yeah. like the scouting game mode, but it's, it's so limited. It I also really hate is. the part of the scouting scouting game mode where they can win without actually fighting at all. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's 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 boring. That's lame. And where you can just step in, game over, man, game over. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's we we need and we needed a long time ago. I think um, some of those little fun things to keep people playing because there's a lot of people who just want to play stock tabletop builds and be rubbish they just want to do that and quick play and cw are just not the environment for them and they don't enjoy it as much as they should be enjoying a mech warrior game you know there needs to be a section of the game where they can just be bad <laughs> <laughs> you know just shooting some ai tanks with three other buddies who want to be bad as well well i understand um, and i and from yeah. from my perspective it's like 
It's like where you go through and you're like playing with potato people and you're just spectating them after you die because you've been trading and they haven't yeah. been trading. And and you're just like, just aim, just aim the mouse yep. right over his mech. Come on. Yep. Yep. And in some respects, that's a fun game in itself. And I, don't, I don't want that to 100% disappear from the game. But I, I think there are a lot of people who've quit the game over the years because they haven't had something low stress and easy. To dick around with they, they you know? need a, they need a uh, mech warrior solitaire in game well yeah sure yeah, <laughs> you just need just need something where oh i've just lost five games in a row in quick play i'm really pissed off i'm gonna go shoot some tanks you know and with with huge explosions yeah <laughs> absolutely you know just just something to de-stress and play around with those mechs that you've spent real money on so that's why i think that that's why single player is the kind of thing that i really want to see pgi add to a mechware online it doesn't have to be a campaign mode and in actual fact i think that that would be too much work for not enough gain but if you, you would had... want something like a quick drop yeah 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 just just a quick drop i mean uh like i said just to just a wave defense mode would be a start you know they, they could have if that works well they could then build on with some scripted missions or something absolutely but but i i think that kind of feature um having it being missing over the last few years has caused a huge number of people to leave the game that who would otherwise have stayed. And because we have a relatively low player count now, it's not dreadfully low, but it's it's pretty low. It's making matchmaking a lot harder, which is why we're having all these talks about buckets. <laughs> I, I I totally agree that that we need to stop splitting stop splitting the uh, the groups into different buckets. And I think that people have been asking for single single player. For a long time, it, it would behoove PGI to get on it if, if at all possible, or let yeah. us know that it's not coming if it's not. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, from a business perspective, that last one wouldn't be a good idea. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I think there's there's quite a few people who probably would just throw in the towel if they heard that, but which is fair enough. But I, I, I like I said, I I would be very surprised if that's what we see at Metcon. Um, it looks like the, um, VR is VR probably going to be... It looks like VR might well be the thing at Metcon, or one of the things, anyway. Now, do you um, think they're going to implement one of those things where they put on um, an, an existing helmet, or are they going to adapt the cell phone thing, if possible? Cell phone thing? Yeah, where you like uh, attach the cell phone to a little visor, and you can put it oh, right okay. over, and you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, um... I, I think I, I'm pretty sure they'd be going with with either Voculus or uh, Vive. I mean, I don't know a huge amount about that scene, that market at the moment, but you know, they they understand that their average player is is you know over the age of thirty and has a lot of disposable income. I think they're banking on a lot of people having VR or having the ability to afford VR. But if they've invested a significant amount of development time on this, I think that's a huge mistake. Because yeah, if if it took like a programmer a week and a half to do, then absolutely all power to them. Throw that in. That's great. That's fantastic. But it only benefits um, a small a small right. It of the sounds like base. it would be something that's cool to try out and not exactly. not con- cool to do all the time. Uh, absolutely, exactly. And it it's I, I was I was talking to somebody about this earlier actually. Um, the thing with VR is it's a gimmick. That's not an insult. That's that's a good thing. You know, 
there are a lot of really interesting games being made with VR, and there's that mech game, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a mech game being made for VR, I don't know if you've seen it. I, I think there was a post about it, and mm. I just like watched it for five seconds and, and got away. Uh, oh, watch, watch it for at least 20 to see it in action. Okay. It, looks, it looks pretty damn cool. But unless you've made your game from the ground up for VR, with, with that as an actual gameplay uh, design consideration, then it's it's not going to be a signif- it's never going to be a significant addition to the game and it is just going to be a gimmick for a couple of people i see uh, so many people um this is a kind of a tangential topic but do, yeah. do you watch your movies with 3d glasses or do you prefer 2d um you mean like at home uh, no like when you go to a theater oh right okay or cinema <laughs> i was gonna say I, I do not have 3d equipment at home um <laughs> No, I, I've, I've gone off 3D. Um, I've seen a couple of films. The problem I find with 3D, the technology is actually very impressive, but um, the problem I have with 3D is that when I'm watching a film where I think the 3D is done well, it's because I'm not noticing the 3D. Right, exactly. So I then went, hang on, I'm just going to watch 2D because the image is brighter. <laughs> Right. You don't have the dark glasses on, uh, messing everything up. But the oh, IMAX absolutely. experience in 3D, which is, is a brighter screen, bigger screen, yeah. is pretty yeah. okay. But still, like you have to put an extra thing on your face, which is the same yep. problem, I think, comes down with, uh, with um, the, the, the virtual reality in video games. Yeah, yeah. And, and 3D is, is definitely here to stay in films, and I think VR is definitely going to be here to stay in games as well. But they're, they're always going to be, for a lot of people, I think they're just going to be an optional gimmick or a thing you do a couple of hours a week, you know? Right. Well, I hope, I hope you're right about them um, maybe being getting a single-player experience in the game. I think that would be awesome if yeah. they could do it, and they're not having problems, as you said earlier, with spaghetti code. Um, if we can get mean, over that... I mean, you hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I hope I hope you're wrong about <laughs> there the we go. spaghetti I hope code. I hope yeah. you're right that they could... I hope that they are able to get over that and 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 introduce something that a lot of people would enjoy and get a lot yeah. more people in the game and keep a lot more people. Hundred uh, percent, and and throughout all of the criticism I've leveled at PGI and all the frustration, it's not ill-spirited. I don't want PGI to fail. I want PGI to do well, and and that's why I've tried to, um, in in my conceited way, possibly try to offer advice. Like when they made the flamer change, I made a very in-depth video outlining a different way of doing flamers. That I felt was uh, addressed a lot of the problems in the current flamer implementation, and and it and it and it they just didn't watch it. Which is fair enough, I suppose. <laughs> but, but it's it, it's it's frustrating because I'm uh, I worked it out the other day. It's approaching something like eight hundred thousand views on YouTube for my MechWire Online content, not including my various memes and shit posts. Nice. It, thank you. Uh, I, I'm I'm quite proud of the man hours that I've wasted. Uh, <laughs> other people's lives. It's it's a lot of man hours. And you know, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a big player or anything. Absolutely not. I'm just a guy who has opinions and makes mildly entertaining videos. But when Russ blocked me on Twitter and then immediately backpedaled when people explained to him that I was you know, bringing fairly... up legitimate concerns, yeah. No, no, the people were pointing out that I'm. You know, I've been making good videos or positive oh, that, videos yeah, yeah, about yeah. the game for who, so who, long. Who is this guy? He didn't know who I was. <laughs> and, 
you know, for a game with with this small and tight knit community, it's just kind of amazing, really, that you know he hadn't heard of me. If that's, if you think that's conceited, that's absolutely fine. I probably agree with you, but <laughs> I I just feel that PGI does not have a good handle on the community and on the people who are big names in it and make content for the game. Well, I'm right there with you as far as conceited goes. When when I say, oh, hi, I'm Gut, and people don't know who I am, I'm like, I've been playing for four years. What do you want? <laughs> I have suffered playing this game. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm sure I've heard you around before. All right. Number eight. And I'm, I'm sure, I hope, anyway, that you've heard this before. But mm-hmm. this will be a three-parter. You ready? Okay. Number one. What is your favorite color? I'm trying to remember what the correct answer was now. There's this blue, no, yellow, and... <laughs> what is, it... is your quest? To seek the Holy Grail. What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? African or European? <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw that question coming up, and I was tempted to say, um, as a physicist, I can confidently answer, say that the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow is five. <laughs> five what? Five. Nice. One one time, uh, one time I had uh, I was doing some work where um, uh, an American, uh, actually senior engineer for um, a, a company, uh, I was sat in on a conversation with him about this design process, um, and he went, "Oh, hey, uh, Tuesday, could you? Uh, that's not my real name, obviously. Uh, could you work out um, how much power is being output by the system we're talking about? It's a hydraulic system, and he." said it's such and such psi such and such square inch you know all these um freedom unit um measurements and i was like god give me a minute let me write this down okay now i'm gonna have to convert this into metric because that's how i work (laughs) and he went oh i bet you're gonna give us an answer in something like kilowatt hours eh and i stared at him and went uh yeah because it's a good unit thank you (laughs) what what is a kilo hour uh kilowatt hour kilowatt hour got it yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> um yeah i know one, one thing about uh the freedom units that always amazes me is that every year your nation proudly celebrates independence from the british empire and yet continues to use our shitty outdated measurements <laughs> what is that about guys come on uh, this this america we don't like change here <laughs> that's, that's it it's, it's change i know there's a lot of uh uh, machining tools in America that, that would have to be changed over. I mean, the transition right. happened in Britain, and it, from what I hear, it wasn't a particularly easy one. Well, it would be particularly hard because we have, I don't know, an extra hundred years on top of that change from when you, knew, from when you did it, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, through, through the industrial age, like it's post-industrial age that we make the change. Yeah. And, and in Britain, we use uh, we use a lot of imperial measurements in day-to-day life, like um, inches, feet. Uh, we measure personal weight in stone and pounds, not in uh, kilos, which is a bit odd. Uh, and height in feet and inches, and distances and miles. You know, we day-to-day stuff is all still imperial, which is kind of interesting, really, that we're, we're sort of straddling that world between two measurement systems, whereas... Uh, a lot of the rest of the world is entirely metric. Uh, that's interesting. You guys still have a queen as well, though. Yeah, yeah. We, but then again, <laughs> then again, there are other countries in Europe which have a monarchy, and and they've switched over to metric. Um, I, I mean, as far as like you, you're straddling the line between having a parliament and and still have a queen that that doesn't have the power they used to, but still matters a lot. It seems like 
the, the funny thing about the Queen is that we, if we had an absolute shit sandwich of a parliament, I mean, worse than we've ever had, like, the guy was trying to declare himself Prime Minister for life or something, and the Queen went, fuck off, and made a public announcement, you know, calling on the military to intervene. You damn well bet the military would probably side with her if the parliament was going completely crazy. You know, she still has. Um, she still has sway. Yeah, yeah, and and the thing, a lot of, um, not a lot, some people in Britain uh, want the Queen and the monarchy to be uh, dismantled and, and removed, and I can see where they're coming from, absolutely, but there are, beyond the, the sheer cost of the exercise and um, how much tourism actually having a royal family brings in, I, I have to say, there is actually something really, really useful, and, and this, is, this is a bit odd, Something very useful about having a political position with some power in the UK that is uh, a for-life position. So obviously her role is primarily ceremonial, but she still occasionally acts as a sort of advisor to prime ministers. You know, she'll, she'll have an opinion on things, even if it carries no weight. And the thing is, she's been around for a damn long time and she's seen a lot of prime ministers come and go she is a source of wisdom she's like this this magical crone on the hill you know right you know she's not in charge and she shouldn't be in charge but it's worth paying attention to her opinion right. I, I, I don't know i've never talked to her she could be a crazy old man <laughs> um but by having somebody in that position for life and their children will inherit that position means that there is a very strong motivation to not fuck up which is missing from from mainstream politics. You know, a prime minister can come in and do as bad a job as he likes for four years, and provided he or she hasn't actually broken any laws, it's not really going to come back to them, apart from the historical legacy. You know, it's not going to affect their children. Um, right. And I feel like, I'm not saying we should have a dictatorship for life or anything, that would be an absolutely terrible idea, but... You're you saying you like the position that the Queen currently has? I, I'd say that... I'd say it's a very interesting oddity in the world that we have that that for life position, and I think there's there's probably there's probably a good use to it. But very hey, interesting. I I don't know. I don't know enough to be able to have an authoritative position on that. Well, it's it's interesting to hear your your thoughts on it. Anyway, I think it's really cool. Yeah, she shouldn't have any power though. Good God, no. <laughs> <laughs> that would be dumb. All right. Oh, tangential to this one. Um, do you like Monty Python? Uh, yeah, I do. Absolutely love Monty <laughs> Python. I actually haven't watched any of it for a while, but uh, which one was your favorite? Or did you like the show? Um, I I did love the show. Um, but I think the oh, I'm really torn between the Holy Grail and Life, Life of and Brian. Brian. Yeah, <laughs> I I'd say Life of Brian is probably the best one, if so only. I'd say throughout most of the film, Holy Grail and Life of Brian are both very solid films, but the Holy Grail really pieces off at the end. It just goes in a weird direction. <laughs> well, it, it had um, to. They ran out of money. Like, Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny. You know, it is, it is funny to see it, but, you know, if you're actually sat down looking for entertainment, you, if you already know it's, there's not going to be any jokes for the last 10 minutes, it's just going to be weird, then it's, it's not as satisfying a watch. Whereas Life of Brian ends with that wonderful song, you know? <laughs> always live right absolutely always live <laughs> on the bright side of life all right moving on to question number nine what do you think the mech warrior community is most interested in giant stompy robots <laughs> um well 
obviously the the as the uh, the part of the community that I most interact with are are people who are here for good laughs. Um, they want to see shit posts and they want to see memes. Um, they so... want they want content. Exactly. Uh, yeah. even, even outside of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, most of my interaction with the game nowadays is on Outreach HPG and in Outreach's Discord, talking shit with people. Um, I still stream. Um, I, I will be doing that, uh, hopefully a little bit more regularly, well into the future. And occasionally, I put out some videos. But yeah, I think I think that's the that's the interest that a lot of people in the community have that I have my finger on the pulse of. I'm not well versed in competitive. Um, I have strong opinions on balance, but at the end of the day, nobody seems to listen to me, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, you've been streaming so much that sometimes you kind of slip up, don't you? Um, well, apart from the times where I've accidentally um, spit large amounts of water out onto my monitor and <laughs> webcam. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a real-life friend, uh, Mog Dogalog, um, who joins me on the stream every now and then and, and he keeps forgetting to try and use my name Tuesday instead of my real name because my secret identity has to remain that way um, or else the aliens will find me are you anonymous? Um, um, I, everyone every, <laughs> anonymous is everywhere I, I, I I'm not I'm not really I, going I with am that. Spartacus <laughs> I'm, I'm Spartacus um I was trying to think of some kind of Battletech reference to say, like, I'm trying to think of... I am what, Victor. I, I, I'm trying to think, with my limited knowledge of Battletech lore, what a good analogy for Spartacus would be. You know, I can't think of anything, really. They use this story of everybody rising up for the same cause like that. God, I don't know. Anyway, that went nowhere. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, he, he um, kept blurting out my actual name during combat chatter. And was getting rather annoyed and trying to convince people in the stream that my real name was in fact Engelbert in order to throw them off with uh, limited success. Excellent. Well, we'll move on to our last question of the night, which is, of course, another very fun one. Are you willing to sing us five royalty-free seconds of a song or an unlimited parody of a song? Um, so I think what you want me to do is sing, Do You Want to Buy a Mac Pack? Uh, or you can make up your own parody, or if you have a favorite song you just want to blurt out, that's good too. Uh, I am the one and only. That's that's two seconds, so I'm gonna have to give you an entire rendition. <laughs> I, I've been dreading this because I've known when I heard Bandit talking about uh the Would You Like to Buy a Mech Pack song, I knew I was gonna have to I was gonna have to up the ante a little bit. <laughs> so well, I've, well, I'm dreading so, this so, for a while. Here, here's yeah. an example. Near, far, wherever you are, my lerm boat will find you no matter what. That, that was beautiful. <laughs> you, you should make some of these. You should make some uh, singing sing-song videos as well. I, I think that's something that the community definitely wants to see more of. If, if you want to look up uh, back in the history, I actually did, like, not actually um, parodies, but full Disney songs on our team speak back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful. And, and it's on YouTube somewhere. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you're going you're gonna to have to send me a link to that. All right. Well, anything else you want to add before we uh, kick our outro? Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to mix it up. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing for you. Excellent. Pug Lord song. Excellent. I've decided. I think I think that's one I can 
because the the do you want to buy a MacPack song? Yeah, I I had to do loads and loads of retakes of that because I do not have a trained song voice at all. Um, so quite frequently I would sing the notes completely wrong. So. <clears throat> Are you ready, Sipkos? Aye, aye, Captain! You got it wrong, it's Af Af Star Captain. Ah, oh, wait, I'm gonna have to do it again then. Let's yep. start again. Are you ready, Sipkos? Af Af Star Captain! I can't hear you! Af Af Star Captain! Oh, who lives in a drop zone in tier 3? And then you do the course of the chorus. What, what, what do I do? You did the chorus! SpongeBob SquarePants? Or what do I say? Salty ass Pug Lord. <laughs> Alright. Who <laughs> lives in a drop zone in tier 3? Salty ass Pug Lord. Okay, Whiny and crappy and poorish as he! Salty ass Pug Lord. If sodium chloride be something you wish! Salty ass Pug Lord. Then die in first minute and cry like a bitch! Salty ass Pug Lord. Salty ass pug lord, salty ass pug lord, salty ass pug lord, salty ass pug lord. <laughs> oh, I hurt my throat on that last one. I hurt my throat on that last one. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was good though. There you go. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on tonight. No, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for, for doing this. I think it's it's going to be really interesting hearing what other people have to say. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm guessing that other people didn't see where they could, uh, where they could talk about it last time. So I'm gonna remind everybody: um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, quips, criticisms, or quandaries, keep them to yourself. Just kidding. Please email us at gabinwithgut at gmail.com or catch us on Outreach HBG Reddit, where this will be posted. If you really want to, you can respond and leave a comment on our SoundCloud page as well. Gotta go fast! You said it. You said the thing.